Hey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. And I'm Shelves. And we hope you guys can totally relate. Would you like us to introduce you as Abigail, a yoga instructor, Uh or... Do you have any other title? Yeah, or? I mean, Abigail, yeah, I'm an herbalist. So I'm a yoga instructor, herbalist. I'm an Ayurvedic geek. I'm a stroke survivor. That's a huge part of my story. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit today yeah. because that really informed the trajectory of my career of what I do, why I teach yoga, why I do like wellness. I mean, my website's well with Abigail. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yoga. You talked about yoga and you mentioned that you ha- had a stroke. Yeah. W- were you invested in yoga before that had happened? Is mm-hmm. yoga something that's been part of your story for mm-hmm. a while? Yes. I I have been practicing yoga since I was pregnant with my daughter, who just turned 22, by the way. Whoa. Wow. And nothing Whoa. else felt good in my body. And I'm a very body-focused person. And I just always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started practicing yoga. It was prenatal yoga. So sweet. And <laughs> and then, like, that grew from there. I did a lot of Bikram yoga now called 26 and 2 and integrated yoga. I did that for a long time. Um, and I'm really grateful that I had that physical practice at the time that I had a stroke. Because yoga, a big part of yoga is being able to really listen to your body's messages. Yeah. And mm. people say that line all the time, but what does that actually mean, right? Yeah. yeah. And... When I had a stroke, I was actually in the middle of teaching a yoga class. So this was very at the very beginning of when I started teaching mm-hmm. at Ancestry.com where I was working. And I was just teaching yoga on my lunch break. Okay. And I'll just tell you this one part of it, but I can always go back and explain okay. some of the things. Um, okay. So I'm in the middle of teaching yoga and I start to have this stroke. And at first it feels like I just suddenly get really sick. I'm feeling like I'm getting laryngitis. And... It's like getting worse and worse, and my head is just hurting so bad. There's severe pain in my neck. Eventually, I sit down, and I'm teaching, and I talk the students down to the floor into early Shavasana. It's like halfway through class, and I'm like, we're going into Shavasana. I'm sitting there kind of waiting for it to pass, and it's not passing. And I'm like, my right side is going kind of numb, not working, and I'm thinking, what do I do here? There's this moment where I can keep going and just push through or have to like stop and listen to my body. Yeah. And so I'm like, I have, to, I have to get out of here. I need to get help. So I crawled over to one of the employees and he helped me out of the room called 911. Okay, so here's the thing. The EMT who arrived on the scene is shows up and examines me. And I feel like, you guys, I feel like, I'm fighting to stay conscious. I'm puking and I'm, I have this whole experience um, before the EMT comes, which I can share or not share. But when the EMT comes and looks at me, he says, I think you have vertigo. My wife had vertigo a couple of weeks ago. Go lay down, rest for a couple of hours. If you still feel sick, you know, go see your doctor. And I said, no, take me to the hospital now. That's like the moment where I was like, I can outsource my well-being to this authority person Uh or I can listen to my body and I knew something wasn't right I actually thought I was dying Mm -hmm. and there was no way I was going to ignore my body in that moment Mm -hmm. so I made him take me to the hospital he takes me out on a stretcher 
That was a whole thing yeah. <laughs> at the office. And he just kind of drives normally, kind of moseys to the hospital. He didn't do the lights or anything. Oh, you're kidding oh. me. And I mean, I'm, I was lucky. I did remain conscious the whole time. But as soon as I got to the ER, the neurologist that was on duty recognized instantly that I was having a stroke and got me on heparin and saved my life. Oh my um, I had a CAT scan. They found a little tear in one of my vertebral arteries. Your vertebral arteries run up through your cervical spine, your neck, and my blood clotted to heal this tear. It was the, a tear of the inside lining, and that clot blocked the blood flow to my brain, and that's essentially what caused my stroke, and it was from a neck injury that had happened a few days prior from a chiropractic adjustment. Mm. Woo! Yes, so that's just huge to me because... I listened to my body and that became very real for me in that moment. And so I find different ways of saying that, you know, like honoring the wisdom within you, you know, trusting the teacher present inside you, no matter what a yoga teacher is saying, no matter what a doctor is saying, there has to be this sense of sovereign responsibility within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that my yoga practice, having a practice truly helped to save my life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I am so glad you listened to your body. <laughs> I Me too. like I try to I'm trying to picture myself in that situation and I don't know that I would have like the wherewithal like I think I would trust this other person, right? Like yeah. okay, I guess I just have vertigo. You. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. raised that I didn't, I'm not an EMT, and so you're an EMT, and you're telling me, like, I would totally have listened to them. Yeah, and how many times are we told by authority figures that we're wrong Mm -hmm. or to stop being that way? I mean, we really cultivate a lot of Mm self-doubt and mistrust of ourselves, I feel like, in our culture, especially in Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And... I mean, so when I'm working with clients and students, I I try to remind them, like, you know things. Like, trust mm-hmm. yourself. This, mm-hmm. this journey of well-being is about reclaiming your own self-trust mm-hmm. and not always outsourcing everything to other people. And, of course, it's good to get education and see doctors. I mean, I, I obviously needed doctors in that very yeah. acute situation. I was in the hospital for about a month. And I had to relearn how to walk again. I used a walker for a little while. So, you know, I obviously needed the help of others, which was another lesson for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Isn't that like the story of life, the balance, finding the balance of trusting yourself and receiving help Uh from others? Yeah. And, And I think like for me, I before I had the stroke, I was and I still am extraordinarily independent Mm -hmm. but before I had the stroke I had had a corporate career where I was working 60 to 70 hours Mm -hmm. a week I was the financial provider for my family Mm -hmm. I was in some um, unhealthy relationships and I felt like I was alone and had to do everything by myself like I couldn't trust anybody else to help me and you know including that mistrust of yourself issues 
So when I had the stroke and I was in the hospital and I couldn't even use the bathroom without a nurse being there mm. to yeah. help me, yeah. it was very humbling mm. after I was released from the hospital and I had caretakers. I had nurses coming out. I had my physical and occupational therapist coming out to my house. My mom came out <laughs> once a week to drive me around because, you know, I couldn't drive yeah. anymore. Yeah. My sister, um, I love this story. When I was in the hospital, my youngest sister, Rachel, came to the hospital and gave me a shower because mm -hmm. I couldn't do any of those things on my own. And so wow. I had to accept that others could help me mm -hmm. yeah and that was a huge lesson for me yeah I yeah. mean in incredibly vulnerable mm -hmm. situations you know using the restroom taking a shower yeah like that's really vulnerable it's hard to lose functionality of your body and have to rely on others yeah for so many reasons um yeah. but at the same time how many years did I spend not allowing like not using any resources in mm. my life thinking I had to do everything by myself feeling like I had to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders having so much stress yes and so much mental health yeah issues just stemming from thinking I had to do everything by myself and couldn't rely on anyone else yeah. now I have so much respect for caretakers. Mm, and yeah. I feel like as yoga teachers, <laughs> we're a form of a caretaker. We're yeah. for that hour, you know, we're holding space for people mm -hmm. to connect with their bodies. And yeah. we all have such different relationships with our bodies. Um, for me as a stroke survivor, I had a huge disconnect mind from body. I felt betrayed by my body. Like that mm. that moment when I realized I couldn't walk was surreal. Having mistrust in your body, were you moving towards a place of trust prior to your stroke? Like, had you, um, I was that the catalyst? <laughs> that was really the catalyst. I mean, I had just barely started. I had just gotten out of an awful relationship. Mm -hmm. I had just stopped drinking, doing drugs, smoking, like that mm -hmm. was my way of dealing with stress in my life prior to that. Like I was a total pothead for a long time. <laughs> and I hired this health coach. Her name's Amanda Moxley. Shout out to Amanda Moxley. <laughs> what up, Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> she, I mean, she helped me quit smoking. She helped me deal with the end of that relationship. She helped me start to cultivate some more positive um, mental patterns. And so I had, I had just barely started on that journey when I had the stroke. Mm. And then it was like, I, ground zero, like everything went to ground zero. But yeah, I mean, I had, to, I had to heal from my stroke. So I had to figure out a way to, you know, continue taking care of myself. I knew my, my lifestyle that I had before the stroke, even with a yoga practice, wasn't good for me. You know, wasn't healthy. How old were you? 35 years old. Okay. Yeah. You look like you're not 35 yet. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you look like you're 27 years old. Young stroke survivors. <gasps> I think I had started that journey, and that really was helpful because when I was in the hospital, I put some affirmations like up on the whiteboard, you know, that the mm -hmm. nurses write on. I put things like my body and brain know perfectly how to heal, stuff like that to give me hope that – you know, I wouldn't be like this forever. I actually, my sister brought in a picture of me in toe stand on the beach in Hawaii. And I hung that up. So I had like a visual mm. to, you know, remind me. I had my mom bring my yoga mat to the studio. 
And while I couldn't really practice yoga, she could help me down onto the floor and I could do some things on my belly. Yeah. So I was determined. Yeah. (laughs) Were you ever angry? This is a great question. And I wish I had gotten angry sooner, actually. Mm. But I was so grateful to just be alive. It took me a while to get to that place to fully process what happened to me. So when I was having the stroke, I I actually thought I was going to die. Like, mm-hmm. I was, like, talking to God, you know, take care of my children. And, <sighs> you know, and when I lived, like, what a gift. It was, like, this sense of relief. Mm-hmm. And so I just tried to focus on being grateful, positive affirmations, meditation, doing what I could with yoga. Yeah. And it wasn't for a couple of months when I just had a total breakdown, crying on the floor. Mm. It was hard because it took a long time for me to stop and grieve Mm. Abby pre-stroke. You know, I was just so determined to overcome, overcome, overcome. And the thing is, we don't really, like, overcome the things that happen to us. They change us, and they shape a new trajectory for us. And while I've been very blessed in my physical recovery, a lot of people aren't, you know? And, and so we have to learn to live fully in the body we have right now and trust that our body is always being loyal to our well-being, even if it looks differently. And I think that we can't fully do that if we don't stop and grieve our losses. I'll never be who I was before the stroke. And I'm grateful for that. Mm. The stroke gave me some hard things to deal with, but also gave me these beautiful gifts. Made me a person who is so much more empathetic, Mm -hmm. so much more compassionate, and makes me the, the yoga teacher, the herbalist that I am today. Like I can... I feel like I can relate to suffering, mm-hmm. to trauma, and you know, hopefully give, give people hope, give people at least the space, a safe space to rebuild that relationship with their self, with their body, with their wellness. You know, these are the things that make life, life. Yeah. <laughs> There's... I've heard this saying, um, often we think compassion is given from the healer to the wounded. In reality, compassion is given from the wounded to the wounded. Yeah. Ooh. And I feel like that's what you just explained. You just said it so beautifully. (laughs) It wasn't me. I don't know who said it. I'll find it. But yeah, as you were saying, I was like, oh, yes, it was because of the spaces you have personally been in you now know how to provide that space for others who even though their journeys look different from yours for sure but it's from the wounded to the wounded extending that compassion Mm -hmm. yeah so when you finally grieve what does this look like like are you mad do you like give up hope and like take the pictures down and forget it or was it a long time or was it a moment in passing. Oh, I, well, 
I'm a total pitta, and if you're into Ayurveda, you know what that is. If not, it's okay. So <laughs> no way do I give up ever. Stroke survivors never quit. That's a hashtag. <laughs> Go look at it. Um, stroke survivors are badass, you know, because you have to learn how to live, how to function yeah. in this new body with different abilities now, mm-hmm. different physical abilities. Also, a lot of us deal with mental, you know, mental health issues, depression, um, is a huge thing that happens in people who've had a brain injury. So never give up, <laughs> for sure. And the grieving process, it, it for me at least, it wasn't like I had a one and done sort of experience. Mm-hmm. I, kind of that moment, it was about two months after the stroke when I'm, suddenly I'm crying on the floor and realizing I never grieved you know the part of me that I lost and then lots of journaling lots of meditating and over the years it's been almost 10 years now I still let myself grieve here Mm -hmm. and there so Mm -hmm. I think it ebbs and flows it's not really a linear process Mm -hmm. grief I feel like it changes over time and gives you new perspective but you know that uh, sensation is always there on some level mm-hmm. shaping you. Hopefully it's shaping you to live up to your greatest potential. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm still grieving to answer your question. I don't know if I am so sad for you or so inspired by you. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's a powerful feeling. Yeah, I love how you just said that. I have discovered that we hold opposing emotions mm. and opposing qualities in our hearts and bodies at the same time. Yeah. Like m- maybe joy is showing up more now, but then the other day the grief side shows up and it's like these mm. two um, opposing qualities are always sort of hanging out. Yeah, they coexist. And you can hold them both at the same time. It's not one or the other. Yeah. It's not black <sighs> and white. Yeah, I love that, actually. So you can be both. You yeah. can be sad for me and so happy for me. Abigail teaches me so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, so you had started getting into yoga. You were a teacher at the time, so you'd already done, like, yoga teacher training. But you also have these parts of your life that you know are unhealthy. You make the shift. You start changing. The stroke happens. Now your life is going in a completely different direction. Did they ever say, like, you won't walk again? Or did they say, no, you'll walk. You just have to learn. Like, what what information was given to you? Like, what did you think your life was going to be like? I have learned since the stroke to be okay with a lot of unknowns. Mm. Because you don't know yeah. what the outcome is going to be. And... When I, like, you know, in the moment of the stroke, I didn't know if I would live or die and I had to come to a place of being okay with that. Mm. And then I, um, when I was in the hospital, I think I was fortunate. I had doctors who really pushed me. The main neurologist told me it would probably take me about two years to kind of regain my ability Mm. to walk. And um, I remember this funny story. I remember at... um, as I was getting released, my now husband, then person I was dating, mm-hmm. um, was there, and he asked the doctor if I could get um, a disabled parking pass, you know? Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, no, 
<laughs> you can walk a little. Like, it, I kind of had this zombie walk, and I was using a walker. He's like, you need to just keep walking. And mm-hmm. he was, like, very hard-lined about it. And I was like, okay. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. he said that because it kept me working hard. So yeah. I think they had faith in me that yeah. I would recover it was really unknown how long it would take. I had a remarkable recovery though. I mean, I did my, I was good with my physical therapy and my occupational therapy. I also started practicing yoga literally while I was in the hospital Mm -hmm. and it looked different than Mm -hmm. a traditional yoga practice. Right. When I was at home, I had nystagmus. So I'll tell you this so you get an idea physically what I was dealing with. Nystagmus is when your eyes shake uncontrollably. And this is like your eyeballs are having a seizure, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very disorienting. It's like you're on a really fast spinning ride all the time. So I, that's partly why I would throw up all the time. Mm. Um, and so balance was a huge issue and still is a little bit tough for me. Um, so the visual, the vision problems that I had were hard to deal with. So I couldn't just like practice yoga out on the floor. I had to use chairs and mm. walls and couches and dressers and everything in my house became a yoga prop prop. (laughs) (laughs) I used to think props were like for the week you know and now I love props they help you access your body in new ways Mm. help you develop a deeper relationship with your body yeah not for weakness not at all anyway so all that said I was so determined that it was about three months and I wasn't using the walker anymore. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That said, um, just a little disclaimer, I still had a pretty ataxic gait. Ataxic means uncoordinated. Mm. And so I did end up with a lot of hip and knee pain for Mm. my very imbalanced walk. And I had to go back into therapy. I did like a year-long biomechanics training, retrained my gait and some other balance therapy. So that wasn't the end of the story, just not having the walker. But three months, that's remarkable, right? Yeah. Within nine months, I, I was able to get my driver's license back. Oh, they wow. They my, lic- my driver's license in the hospital, and that really sucked. Oh, yeah. yeah, that would be yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, I had to get chauffeured around everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. so happy to get my license back. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... That made me fully functional, right? I, I wasn't using a walker. I, ha- I could drive again at about nine months. It was probably two to three years before my gait became steadier. My visual issues have never fully cleared up. I did a neurovision therapy program last year, COVID year. It was hard, but it helped clear up some of the double vision. The nystagmus eventually stopped. What does those lingering effects with your vision look like now if they're not doing that, that, that shake, that nystagmus? Yeah, I still, um, well, double vision, I have a little double vision out of my right eye still. And I had a lot of depth perception um, Mm -hmm. issues. My depth perception was only about 50% when I started this vision program last year. And so things like being in a crowded room, because my peripheral vision was, wasn't very wide you know, with lots of movement would cause anxiety. Um, mm. Being in the dark, being on unstable terrain, like lots of r- rocks and stuff. I yeah. love to hike, and so hiking yeah. could be really challenging. I actually hiked Timpanogos three years ago, I think. Three years ago, and I had a panic attack oh, no. <laughs> up near the top because you kind of feel like 
you're getting pulled off. Mm-hmm. It's this sensation of, I used to say sandbags on my right side, but it feels like somebody's like grabbing you and pulling you off a ledge. Oh, it's kind of yeah. like that sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, my goodness. That, is, that would induce a panic attack, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've worked on it a lot, but it's still, it's milder now, but it will still come up. Like if I move too quickly or if I'm like, Trying to look at you right now. You mm-hmm. have two faces. I do. <laughs> but if I look at you straight on, it's fine. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So just minor stuff that mostly is a challenge for my balance. Yeah. So, and by balance, I mean, like, doing my one-legged yoga postures. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Is it, I mean, because you look like... Nobody would know, yeah. right? And so... <laughs> Is that interesting sometimes? Like, because inside of your body, you know you feel different. Yes. And you're experiencing the situation differently. Um, does that ever come up? Like, does that, do, is, are there things people do that are insensitive? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, not so much anymore because I feel pretty grounded, pretty stable now. Mm-hmm. But early on, I mean, people shoving past you, mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. would be so disorienting yeah. and they don't even notice you know because yeah. they have no idea and stroke survivors actually talk about this a lot that you can't see the deficit necessarily on the outside right. and so people are impatient many stroke survivors aren't just grieving their physical losses but people leave them like spouses leave them <sighs> people don't support them that's why i'm like the those who stay and show up as a caretaker for you on some level like that's a really big deal mm. and I think those people need to be honored but it's hard when you can't see what people are dealing with mm-hmm. so I think it's important for all of us to remember everybody has hard in their life mm-hmm. everybody has suffering yeah. and that's where like I say like I feel like I have a lot more empathy and compassion now like I don't know what you're dealing with or what you're dealing with or this person and we just have to remember it's usually not about us. Mm-hmm. That person's got something going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for sure that I, I've received, I've been on the receiving end of that kindness from you. I feel like that just pours forth from you is this love and acceptance to all. Oh, thank you. I had the honor of attending your adaptive yoga teacher training, and I learned even more how to extend compassion and um, kindness to others, not just in a physical yoga practice, but as a human and energetically. I feel like I feel very blessed by you specifically uh, in that in that realm of my life. And I feel like it comes forth in who you are. Do you, do you feel like this is one of your biggest messages that you want to share? Like, I feel like that is what you do. You extend yeah. this compassion. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all just on this crazy life journey. Let's be, let's be kind. Let's be supportive. Let's yeah. increase our awareness mm-hmm. of the people who are being left out, and and just be more present in our communities. Yeah, we'll see what's going on. You know, you can see if you're really present in your yoga class. If you're really in tune with your students you'll see little things going on and you can Mm -hmm. adapt to their needs. Mm -hmm. That's why I love adaptive yoga and I love that you came. And I am so passionate about adaptive yoga because yoga truly is, 
for all abilities, mm-hmm. for all bodies. Yes. Like in the adaptive classes I teach today, they're not even necessarily people who've had a stroke, but they're dealing with some maybe physical limitation or yeah. emotional limitation in that they have some sort of trauma somewhere. And this practice gives them a safe space to explore movement. I mean, we, our body holds our emotions. It, we, we don't just assimilate food in our body, right? We assimilate yeah. our experiences yeah. and mm. our impressions and our thoughts. And so I feel like adaptive yoga gives you that safe place to reconnect with your body again when you feel disconnected from it, whether it's from a trauma, physical or emotional or otherwise. And I have another adaptive yoga training coming up. It's my favorite thing ever. It's like my mission because when I had my stroke, I was just doing, adapting my yoga practice at home. Mm-hmm. There were no local classes that I was aware of. Yeah. And I missed my yoga community. Yeah. That was yeah. huge for me. So I went and studied with Matthew Sanford of Mind Body Solutions. He's kind of like the leading pioneer of adaptive yoga. He is a paraplegic and yoga was a huge part of him learning to live fully in his body. So even though his lower body doesn't work, he didn't just need to move through life using his upper body. Right. He could do things with his lower body too. And he didn't like, he needed yoga to help, help him with that. Anyway, so now I, my purpose, like one of the main things that I do is not just teach adaptive yoga classes locally, but I teach teachers how to teach adaptive yoga yes, or just simply how to support people with all sorts of different physical things happening. Mm -hmm. Because whether it's somebody who shows up into your class and they have an injury or maybe an older adult who's less active, can't get up and down off the floor or somebody living with a disability, MS, TBIs, strokes, people living in wheelchairs, they can still do yoga too. Mm -hmm. And I want to just flood Utah with (laughs) teachers who can share yoga with any student who shows up in their class. Yes. And so, yeah. Okay, so you, you said you have a new, you have a training coming yeah. up. When is that? The training is October 1st and 2nd. So it's a Friday, the first Friday and Saturday in October at the Yoga Underground. And if you go to yogaundergroundutah.com forward slash events, you can get all the detailed information there. Okay. Um, you don't have to be a yoga teacher. You could be a caretaker, um, a therapist, or just somebody who maybe wants to learn some ways you can modify for your own personal practice. And if you're a yoga teacher, great. This is a a great way to get. You get 12 continuing education credits. If you sign up for September 1st, use code ADAPT25 and get $25 off that. So come on out, see what it's about. Also, we'll put a link in the show notes. So click on that if you're interested. Okay, so you you have this situation happen. It changes the trajectory of your life. You you were making bank at ancestry.com. That's awesome. <laughs> so now <laughs> sorry, I'm like like okay, so how did you get from there to here? Like so you liked yoga and you were practicing on your own and, and making it adaptive for yourself. How did you get into the other things? Like actually hold on real quick. Where you wrote affirmations on your hospital built like your whiteboard? Like where did you know this stuff? How do you know this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I had just started working with that life coach, Amanda Moxley. Mm, and, okay. And so I was using 
stuff that she was teaching me. Okay. Mm-hmm. That really got me through that hard time, not just of ending that relationship, but like getting through that stroke and recovering from that stroke. And yeah. so I just kind of kept that trajectory going. I did not become an herbalist until after the stroke. I'm still working on my master herbalist. Um, I just, look, I appreciate all the doctors and the medications that I needed that saved my life. But I also recognize that I needed to, part of my journey of building more trust with myself mm-hmm. is to have have like some self-sufficiency with my own healing. So I wanted to learn all the natural remedies to treat from anything from minor ailments to more acute ailments. And it's, I, I'm definitely a hybrid. I'm not like go all natural. Um, yeah. I'm like, you need both. Like you need yeah. the support of modern medicine, but there's also so many things you can do mm-hmm. to create vitality in your life that and, doesn't require you to see a doctor. And sustainability. You know, exactly. Like taking pain pills all the time. Like maybe there's a way that like, we don't have to be so dependent upon that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, got yeah all of that kind of happened afterward and I and it just I think it was fortunate for me because I was on disability for a year yeah and after I so quickly regained that ability to walk to drive again I knew I had to teach yoga I'm Mm. like this Mm. has changed my life this has helped me live in this post-stroke body again. Mm -hmm. This has helped me love and accept myself more. So that's when I went on and did my Mm 300-hour training and a zillion other trainings. I've done yin training, restorative training, (laughs) adaptive training. (laughs) Um, I love learning, but yoga is something I feel compelled to share. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I feel like there's something for everybody in the practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have to, like, I feel like I have to pay it forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. not share the yoga. So, yeah. Uh, so I never went back to my old job. I just went right on into teaching yoga. Wow. Yeah. Wait, but you're a mom too. Yeah. How old is your child at this point? Well, I had three children at the time of my stroke, and they yeah. were ages 16 down to four. Wow. So. Yeah, it's so funny to hear their perspective of it. Sometimes my he's now 14. He'll sometimes be like, I remember when you couldn't walk. That was so weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, imagine how that was for me. Um, and, and I did have a baby after, two years after. And so I have four to- total birth, like birth children. I also have four stepchildren. So eight children in total. Oh. And... I think I was really blessed that I could explore teaching yoga because I got married shortly after my stroke Mm -hmm. and my husband has been very supportive of me like pursuing this Mm -hmm. as my career. I got a hospital bed proposal, by the way. How romantic is that? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Actually, yeah. Can we talk about that? Sure. Do you feel comfy talking about that a little bit? Yeah. Because I'm picturing, okay, so... In a short amount of time, you went from, I'm going to die and accepting that, to, okay, I'm going to live, but my body's different. And at this point, like, you're probably, like, really dizzy. Oh, yeah. And here you are, like, experiencing a new body, and someone is saying, yeah, regardless, like, you're my person. I want to be with you for as long as I can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could have gone so many different ways. 
<laughs> we had just been we had been dating for five months when I had the stroke, wow. and he came to the hospital every day, oh. and I like he as far as I knew he could have never shown up again. He could have like turned tail and run for the hills, right? But did propose to me when I was still in the hospital. And he likes to joke and say, oh, you were medicated and you still couldn't see. So that was my, that was my opportunity to slip in there before you knew better. And no, I, I'm really handsome. Yes, he really is. Um, he, I was living in Salt Lake at the time and he was living down in Utah County. And the place I was in in Salt Lake really couldn't support the needs that I had post-stroke for my care. Like I needed a shower bench and stuff. And so I went and lived in his house afterwards. Wow. And then, like, three weeks later, we got married. <laughs> oh, my I mean, why gosh. not do it all at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Change your whole life. And, you know, part of it, I think I was so steeped in recovery and still in that phase of just being so grateful to be alive. I hadn't yet really grieved mm -hmm. or gotten angry. And then kind of when things started to simmer down a little as I – as I was continuing to recover, suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in a stepmom in this blended family in this new marriage. And there were some definite hard things with that for sure. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's like you got to sometimes raise the forest to build it back up again. Hmm. And I feel like that's what was given to me. Before I met my husband, when I was still kind of in that traumatic relationship, Prior to him, I, I was thinking about pulling this journal entry up and bringing it, but I didn't. But I, but I journaled about the person who I really wanted to manifest in my mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. what his qualities were like, what his personality was like, and legit, he showed up, and I got him. <laughs> I feel so blessed. Whoa. Oh, I yeah. have major chills. <laughs> yeah. He's like my, he's my perfect partner. And of course, it's not without challenges. None of this is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you follow the thread of the good things that you're creating, mm -hmm. then over time, like it just blossoms. Mm -hmm. You were on that journey of learning to trust yourself. And so here you are in like this whole new environment where you just like okay like this is what I feel like I need like did you know like this sounds crazy to everyone else that's fine this is my life my story like did you know that did you feel that or were you like I don't know this might be crazy <laughs> <laughs> I I felt like yeah this is it and I think yeah. part of it was a little bit of naivete mm -hmm. um of not really knowing what I was stepping into, mm -hmm. but then really owning it. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I love this person, and we've showed up for each other in yeah. some really hard things. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, the path that I'm going with, um, you know, because every relationship takes work, mm -hmm. including the one with yourself, but also with the relationships in your life. And those are choices that you're making. It's not like... Mm -hmm. Just a perfect person shows up and they're exactly how you want them to be, even though right. I did manifest my person. <laughs> but you have to continually nourish yeah. and tend to. Like this yeah. is, I, I think of it as like a well-tended life, mm. tending to my needs, tending to the needs of my relationships. And these are all based on the things I'm choosing to tend in my life's garden. Mm. You don't have to tend to everything. 
Yeah. You know, it's the things that you're owning to you that you want. And that's yeah. something I wish I could tell my younger self. That was one of the questions you had. Yeah. Like, I wish I would tell my younger adult self that it's okay to move on. Mm-hmm. It's okay mm-hmm. when things aren't working out to move on. You don't have to do it all. And you get to choose mm-hmm. what you tend in your life. It's your life. Nobody else's. We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.